final word. Good evening, I'm Albie Oxenrider. Welcome to the awe-inspiring and curiously edgy final word. If you're keeping score at home, this is a show that invites you into the conversation and we get started every week by introducing you to tonight's three panelists. Please welcome from our partner, DKPittsburghSports.com, Dan Kovacevic. Hi, Dan. Hey, Albie. I heard the Jets won today, which confuses me because I thought hockey season doesn't start until the middle of January. What, what actually happened? <laughs> All right. Also from DKPittsburghSports.com, Dale Lawley. Welcome back. I forgot my uh, floral shirt, my Hawaiian shirt at home. <laughs> just interrupt us all night, Dale. I'll do that instead. Okay. I'll, I'll just yell over top of you guys. There you go. Also, welcome back from the Trib Steelers radio host, Tim Benz. If tomorrow is a get right game for the Steelers, they got a lot to get right, and I'll just settle for getting going. As Mark would say, woo! Some of the topics we're talking about tonight, we're looking for five words. The Steelers' Super Bowl chances as you see them right now. How much does playoff seeding matter for the Steelers? Hockey's set to come back. And what are the Penguins' chances in the new rebooted NHL plan? Plus, a few words about the college football playoff. What needs to change to make it better? But first, the night's big topic. In riding the ship, should the Steelers force downfield passing and or running up the middle? Dan, start us off. Well, the answer to that, Albie, is yes. <laughs> I mean, realistically, look at what the Steelers are struggling with the most on either side of the football. I believe that if you throw the ball downfield, whether it's intermediate uh, or, or deep passes, a lot of times people hear downfield and they think Mike Wallace in a straight line. It doesn't have to be that. You can just hit guys across the middle. Pull those safeties. Pull those linebackers back off the line of scrimmage. You'll open up the running game. I think that's the order in which it has to happen. If I'm the Steelers and I'm Randy Feetner and Ben Roethlisberger, I am forcing that. I'm forcing that to a fault tomorrow night in Cincinnati. you got to make that happen. All right. Uh, Dale, in riding the ship, what do you do? Well, they're throwing the ball deep. They're not completing the ball deep. It's kind of like the Seinfeld thing where you're taking the reservation, but you're not keeping, you're not holding the reservation. They've got to hit some of those downfield passes. That will then open up the running game because you'll back the safeties off, as Dayon said. But to do that, you've got to make some of those. You've got to complete some of those passes. They're there. They're, they've, got, they've had guys running those routes. Ben Roethlisberger has to pull the trigger and complete some of those throws. Is he checking down, Dale, though? What is it? Absolutely, he's checking yeah, down. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, you have to enforce that with your quarterback. All right, Tim. I don't think you ever force a deep ball in the moment while the play is happening, but you can certainly send out plays and call plays for Roethlisberger to throw deep that are designed to go deep or intermediate. You can force the run game, though, and I think they need to do some of that as well, a lot of that. And back to the deep ball route, I'm going to go back to something that Deion said before. It's not Mike Wallace in a straight line. Now, they did hit one of those plays to Deontay Johnson for 46 yards against the Bengals the last time out, but go back and watch that game again. What they need to do more of are the passes like 11 yards and third and 10 to Chase Claypool, 12 yards on third mm -hmm. and 11 to Juju Smith-Schuster, yes. just beyond the sticks instead of in front of the sticks and do catch and run or hope for catch and run thereafter. They did a lot of that against the Bengals. 24-yarder up the seam to Ebron, 24-yarder to Juju Smith-Schuster to set up a field goal in the third quarter. That's the kind of stuff I want to see more from the Steelers instead of just hope passes down the sideline, especially to the right side, mm -hmm to chase Claypool. I'd like to see him more involved, but 
have a little bit more deliberate action in the intermediate game. That's what I want to see. This Claypool guy you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right on that, Tim. That is. Roethlisberger's <laughs> five for 43, throwing the ball down the sideline to his right. Five for 43. I don't get that. He's 12. He's he's, no, he's 14 weird. of 26 to the left. Five of 43 to the right. The only thing I can think of, there. the only thing I can think of as to why, and I don't have the numbers to back that up, but when I heard you and a couple other reporters talking to Ben about it, Dale, the first thing I thought was was a quarterback, and a lot of people on defense or coordinators, defensive coaches assume that a right-handed quarterback is going to roll to his right more often, so they put the better corner there. But it's the, the disparity is unbelievable, well beyond that. All right, a reminder, as we do every week, we tell you to keep those comments coming. Your comments will scroll down the left side of your screen throughout the show. You can find us on Twitter at WPXI Final Word, on Facebook at The Final Word. Now it's time for five words. Give us five words on the Steelers' Super Bowl chances as you see them right now. All right, from Facebook, no running game, no chance. From Twitter, well, stranger things have happened. And back to Facebook, very slim, but am hopeful. That's from Kelly. Now, Dan, Dale, and Tim, five words. The Steelers' Super Bowl chances as you see them right now. Dan, you're first. I just focus on getting better. Honestly, I can't wrap my head around the Super Bowl after watching this team for the last month. Uh, they need to get back. Uh, on their horse. And when I say that, I don't just mean the tangibles, the stuff that we just talked about. I mean some of the intangibles, some of that swagger, some of that confidence, some of that fun. What we felt from Buffalo last week. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Dale, five words. Same as they were before. Uh, you know, they, they started off 11-0. Uh, nobody was talking about all the problems. The problems were there, but they were finding ways to win football games. There have been five instances where a team started at least 11-0 and then lost two games in a row. Of those teams, three went to the Super Bowl, two won the Super Bowl. They could be one of those teams, but they got to get, as Dayon said, that swagger back. Tim, five words. Now, right now, I'm going to say a snowball's chance in hell. Ooh. Based on what we've seen over the last three weeks, the last six weeks, this team isn't better than KC, no matter what you saw from KC today. This team isn't better than Buffalo. I don't know if they're better than Tennessee, Indy, or even Baltimore. They're still better than Cleveland, but I don't believe, based on what I've seen over the last three to six weeks, that this team is going to get out of the AFC. All right. When we come back, we're going to be talking more Steelers and how much seeding matters. Plus, the NHL deal to bring back hockey. How will the Penguins fare? From our friend Joey Bag of Donuts, they will, they'll do well in the regular season and then get arrogant and fail in the playoffs like the past couple seasons. Well, the panel's going to debate that next as the final word continues. Welcome back to the thought-provoking final word. The Steelers are in a battle for playoff seeding. <laughs> That's thought-provoking, isn't it? It felt thought-provoking. Yeah. At that moment, it did. How much will that really matter? How much will that really matter this year, Dale? We start with you. Well, with no fans in stadiums, uh, you know, outside of being the top seed and getting that week first week off. The rest of it really doesn't matter unless you know who's going to be seated where. So really, we won't know that until going into that last week. And, you know, then you can play the matchup game and who do you want to play, who don't you want to play. Outside of that, with no fans in most stadiums and even a small number of fans in other stadiums, I don't see where home field advantage matters all that much. Again, other than the rest. 
And obviously the Steelers could need could use the rest, but they can do that against Cleveland if they have everything wrapped up. All right, Dale, thank you. From Facebook, Caleb says, after number one, it doesn't matter. In fact, if Baltimore gets in as number seven, I'd rather the Steelers beat number three to play Cleveland or Miami. Depends on how things play out. Uh, Tim, your take. Yeah, or the second-place team in the South. I agree with all that. I agree with what Dale said, and I'll take it one step further beyond all those variables, uh, which basically is if you're not first, it, there's not that much difference between second and seventh. Historically, if you look at the Steelers, all their trips to the Super Bowl, only twice did they go as the one seed. So, and that was uh, Super Bowl 10 and Super Bowl 13. They usually go from the two hole, especially more recently under Cowher and Tomlin. So even history is on the side of the Steelers and they've had some slip ups when they've been the one seed. So uh, with no fans at the stands, aside from being the, the one and maybe getting the extra week of rest with the bye, I don't see it being as important as I normally would because of uh, the home field situation being diluted. Dan? Caleb's point about the Ravens is the one that stands out to me. I think that's the team that you're going to want to avoid here. Uh, whether you're the Steelers or you're the Chiefs or whoever, um, they're a team that obviously was <laughs> banged up isn't the word for it the last time they came to Heinz Field. The Steelers would have to beat them three times in the same season. That's obviously a really tall task. Uh, I don't think it matters. I don't even know that the bye matters all that much, but that's easy to say right now. Who knows what kind of health state the Steelers will be in in a couple of weeks. So, look, if they can be number one, be number one. Other than that, eh, whatever. What you need, Dan, is somebody to knock off number one. That's yeah. what's helped the Steelers many times well, in the past is when somebody knocks off one when they're two or three. We, we would agree, then, that Baltimore at least has the capability to beat Kansas City. There's probably more than one team that has the capability. Well, I think given the Titans the, could do it as yeah. well, uh, given that offense and, and the way they can play keep away. And the Chiefs' defense. All right, turning to hockey. The season is starting January 13th. That much we know for sure. 56 games, all in the same division. One for the Penguins that includes Boston, Washington, Philly, and the Islanders, among others. How will the Penguins fare in this rebooted NHL season, Tim? Uh, mediocre. Uh, one of the last teams to get in uh, to the playoffs, if they get in at all, based on overall point seating and within their own division. Uh, I just don't have a really supreme outlook, positive outlook, based on what I saw with the way they finished up last year against when Montreal. When do you ever have a positive outlook, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> he brought the Hawaiian shirt, see? You want, you want to talk about the same snowball in the ice rink for Pittsburgh? Because I, th I think they got a similar chance of winning the Stanley Cup. Um, no, I just I, I didn't see them get all that much better in the offseason either after the way I saw them wrap up against the Canadians. All right, uh, Brian, I don't know a Brian Oxenrider, but I know a Brian Ryder or Reader on Facebook. He writes, finish third or fourth in the, in the division, making the playoffs, but it will be a challenge. Uh, do you agree with that, Dan? Yeah, of course it's going to be a challenge. Look at the division. Uh, you mentioned some of those teams here. I'd actually put the Islanders as, as the top of that, and not a lot of people think of them that way, but that's the team that was in the Eastern Conference final against the Lightning and, and earned it. Uh, where the Penguins are concerned, there are a couple of big variables. One is Tristan Jari. Uh, if he can look the way he did last season and handle being the number one guy, that would be a big boost. The other one, Kasperi Kapanen. Does he fit on that first line alongside Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel? If he does, great. Then a lot of things make sense for the forward lines. If he doesn't, oh boy, <laughs> you're really messing with the top six in that case. Dale? It's all going to depend on how healthy they stay because, you know, in a shortened season like this, uh, that's key. And let's face it, they've got some stars who are older players, and those guys tend to get hurt. So 
you know, it's, that's going to be critical for the Penguins in a season like this. And it's not going to be a, any kind of cakewalk. Um, they've got their work cut out for them. I think they can be a contender here. But, again, it's, uh, they're going to need some, some good fortune. Well, gee, Dale, that was days of wine and roses yourself there, huh? Yeah, get some <laughs> younger guys in this mix, by the way. That's what you they know? need to do. I can't push for this hard enough here. Let's, let's see Sam Lafferty and these guys play a little bit. All right. The college football season is winding down. A challenge, especially this year. But let's talk about the college football playoff day and what Ugh. needs to change yes. to make it better. I, I mean, the, the whole thing's a joke. And the fact that you have it down to four teams, the fact that nobody, none of the Power Five conferences or the college yeah. football playoff yeah. people came forward and said, look, this is a weird year. Let's just do this a little bit differently. Instead of waiting to watch all these teams bow out of these phony bowl games, you could have had an eight-team playoff here that everybody would have gotten excited about. You would have had Cincinnati. You would have had Illinois and everything else here. Nobody would have complained about it. College football. I, I, that's all I have to say on this. College football. All right. Uh, we have somebody in agreement with you. I believe it needs to expand to an 18 playoff so non-Power 5 teams can get a chance to get in and see what they can do. Mm -hmm. That's from the real Sean. All right, Dale, what do you think? Look, every level of college football has a playoff system, mm. a real playoff system, except for the one that matters the mm -hmm. most. And the only reason that is is because of the bowls. You know, if, it, if, it's, if it's all about going to play – in the in the gummy bear bowl then who cares right. it does, the rest of it doesn't matter and, and that's the problem with college football until they get rid of these bowl games that nobody cares about that only are there so coaches can have can say well i've been to six straight bowl games none of the rest of it matters mm -hmm. open it up make it a playoff game or a playoff situation get rid of the bowl system it's antiquated and it's run its course all right tim I think that Dan was on point there with this being the prime year to expand the college football playoff format because you change the rules in midstream for Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Why not change the rules in midstream for the playoff itself? I know a lot of people are mad that Notre Dame got in after they got whacked by Clemson over the weekend, but to me, the offending party is Ohio State being in at just 6-0. and oh. Uh, if you want to complain about a team that shouldn't be there for Cincinnati or Coastal Carolina, a little guy, or even a team like Texas A&M or Oklahoma, it's the fact that Ohio State, as good as they might be, as talented as they might be, play more than six games. And by the way, was that all that impressive of a win over Northwestern? Was that all that impressive of six wins, five wins before that? I don't think so. What's the stuff that gets us excited about the college basketball tournament, too? It's the Coastal Carolinas and things like that. It gets people fired up to watch, look for the upset. This was just more of the same. Yeah. Why don't they just make it a two-team playoff and make it Clemson and Alabama? Might as well. Hey, All anoint right. them at the beginning of the year, right, LB? Yeah, yeah before yeah. the season begins. When we come back around the horn on any topic, the final word is next on this, the award-winning final word. Stay with us. Welcome back. It's time now for the final word. Everybody gets a chance. Tim Benz, you're first. I would like to wish a hearty amount of good luck to David Burke. David has just been hired. I've got it written down here as the oh, executive no. vice president <laughs> of sales and business development. In this role, Burke will lead the ticket sales, premium sales, partnership sales, event sales, and business analytics department with a focus on enhancing fan and partner engagement with the Pittsburgh Pirates. In other words, he has the hardest job in Pittsburgh oh, sports, no. <laughs> selling the product 
of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Godspeed, David. There is a guy who has the ticket sales for the Titanic who is, probably has a oh, little worse. Oh, no. <laughs> Day and final word. Uh, well, I'll talk about the Pirates, too. The Pirates payroll officially for this past year was $24.1 million. And if that was prorated to a normal year, it would have been around 65, second lowest in the majors. When's the last time you actually would have been happy about that? Probably never. This year was a good year for that. Uh, because we're seeing a, a ton of teams, including teams in the Pirates division, the Central Division, Cardinals and the Cubs notably, that are having to sell off players, that are having to sell off talent because they're nine figures in debt. Uh, that's a rough place to be. The Pirates at least aren't there. So count your blessings and presume that it'll mean something good at some point. Dale, final word. You know, the Steelers are going to play in Cincinnati on Monday and there will be fans in the stadium, mm -hmm. in the seats. And if you watched the Browns game on Monday against the Ravens, you saw what a, a stadium can look like, even with 10 or 12,000 fans in the stadium. The Steelers, however, won't know until January 4th if they're going to be allowed to have fans at Heinz Field for their playoff games. Let's hope that happens. Let's hope it's more than the 5,000 or 4,000 that the governor has let in thus far. Otherwise, you can drive, you know, 20 miles across the border, or they could go 30 miles down the road. Just have the game in, in, in Morgantown. They could have a full stadium in Morgantown and just play a playoff game in a playoff-like atmosphere. All right, and for the record, after 2020, I'm excited for the end of the Steelers season and the Penguins and the Pirates. 2021 is coming. It's Christmas week. We aren't slowing down. Download the free WPXI Now app, then join us for a double dose of sports talk on Wednesday night. Halftime adjustments. Dan knows all about that one, 7.30. Fantasy Football Insider brought to you by Cal U at 8 o'clock. And as an added bonus, half-hour black and gold zone. Christmas, 6 o'clock, Channel 11. Hi to Big Ben in the California office of the post office. See you next time.